This episode of the Gentleman's Brotherhood is made possible in part by our supporters on Patreon, who in addition to being listed as supporters in our video credits, will be the first to receive our official pin. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash Juan Sepulveda. Has it ever happened to you that someone does something incredibly rude and yet they seem absolutely oblivious about their transgression? For example, someone standing too close behind you in line, or perhaps someone speaking too loudly on the phone. I hate to break it to you, but you and I may be inadvertently guilty of it at times. But don't worry, on today's episode, I am joined by Brian Apfel to discuss how to avoid doing it ourselves and how to respectfully confront it when we see it in others. You're listening to The Gentleman's Brotherhood. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Gentleman's Brotherhood. I am your host, Juan Sepulveda, and I thank you for taking the time to spend some time with us and discuss some of the different topics about what it means to be a gentleman today. Today, I have a gentleman to have a discussion with, my good friend, Brian Apple. Brian, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. For those of you who don't know Brian, Brian is a podcaster. He's a fellow podcaster. He's the host behind Dynasty of Dads, which I had the pleasure of joining him one night for a discussion. And he is on TikTok as Bearded Brian. Has an adorable little daughter who has <laughs> the most amazing uh presence on TikTok. If you haven't seen it, we're going to share links with you so that you get to know Brian and that beautiful little girl. But today we're going to talk about something that that Brian and I were discussing recently. And it's about being unintentionally rude. We know that many times we make decisions that are wrong in our conversation, in our behavior, that may rub someone the wrong way. And we can do some things to to fix that. But something that may be a little bit more challenging is whenever we, we're doing it unintentionally, where we may be rude and not necessarily recognizing that we're doing that. So today we're going to have a conversation related to that. And hopefully you can you can get some benefit out of hearing some of our first person experiences and some interesting ways that we have found to mitigate those types of behaviors. And hopefully that helps you in your relationships, in, in your business, in, in all different aspects of your life. So Brian, when we were talking, I remember you, uh, you came up with the idea to, to talk about this. Can you give us an idea of how you came about this? Like, was there a moment that kind of like motivated you to, to consider this topic in particular? Sure. Yeah. My wife often makes fun of me. I, I call it uh, obliviously rude. And it is probably my biggest pet peeve in life, to be perfectly honest, is it's something that I notice and I acknowledge on a somewhat regular basis. And and I think that as exactly what you were saying, there are some people that make decisions in their life that are rude, but they've made those decisions. And, and at yeah. times 
we can't do much about it. That that person is making the decision to be rude. But what bothers me sometimes is when people are being rude and they don't even realize what they're doing is rude. And mm. and I think there's an opportunity to educate people and to be more self-aware of your surroundings. And and I try to remind myself on a pretty regular basis how are my actions affecting the people around me so I can avoid being again, oblivious, really rude or unintentionally rude. <laughs> I mean, that, that's key having that, that mindfulness, being aware of our surroundings, the people that are, uh, that are around us, especially when it's unintentional. But whenever we talk about being unintentionally rude, I don't necessarily perceive that I'm being rude. Many times it comes out of ignorance for certain unspoken rules or certain traditions. So I want us to go through a few of these that are obvious, and there are going to be some that may perhaps come as a surprise to some people when they hear them. Mm -hmm. And we talked about in in our preparation for today's episode, I noticed different categories. For example, you have uh, some that are related to behaviors and others that are are related to communication, uh, some sort of uh, communication. So let's start with the behavioral one. Let's start with the the one of just being present about our behavior. You mentioned uh, about being loud. Can you give me an example that you have, uh, that you've experienced when it comes to uh, being loud in public or having someone being a little bit too loud for, for the setting? Yeah, probably the most obvious example or the one that is almost stereotypical rude is talking in a movie theater or talking in a library or something like that, where that's almost like borderline intentionally rude. Like, you know, at this point, you shouldn't be doing that. But maybe a good example of unconsciously is on the train at night. Maybe you're Mm. coming home from a late night and you were partying and you're with your friends and you're being loud, but you don't realize that people are commuting from work. They had a long day. They had a stressful day. They are looking forward to that hour of just unwind time, relax time. Maybe they're sitting there with their Sudoku puzzles and they really don't need you with your headphones in or your AirPods screaming at whoever you're trying to have a conversation with over the phone and and just being disruptive to the people around you where you don't even realize you're doing so is probably a very common example. Yeah. Disrupted to the people around you is the operative part of that phrase because there's the fun that we're having, right? If you and I are on the train Sometimes we just we're just so focused on what you are talking about, what I'm talking about, and we're going back and forth in the dialogue that we may lose that sense of uh, being a- among other people. Mm-hmm. But for me, in my experience, there are moments that I recognize, like, oh my god, maybe I catch a glimpse uh, at someone who is maybe not nodding off or. Right. You have someone that is maybe on the phone and you see them covering their phone really, right. really protective so that you don't hear, so that they're, the person they're speaking with doesn't hear the noise. That the noise. That's when I become aware. It's like, oh, maybe I'm being a little too loud. Right. In that case, it's okay for you to maybe, you know, do a little apologetic wave like I do. Oh, I'm sorry. Right. And, and then adjust. And then you can keep on having fun, but right. not at the expense of other people. Exactly. 
and, and this this makes me think uh, of that very popular expression of the golden the golden rule you know do unto others as you would like them to do unto you right so that I'll puts you, you in my, that sense i'll mm -hmm. give you the this example really resonates with me because I, to be honest i think it was the first time that i defined this unintentionally rude for me i always had an issue that it kind of got under my skin when people were being rude but i i never separated intentionally rude to obliviously rude uh though you know again as i called it and one day my wife and i were on vacation and we were going to have a beach day. I can't remember where we were in North Carolina or something like that. And we went to the beach and we got there super early and no one was at the beach. It was beautiful, beautiful day. We picked a spot with a beautiful view of the ocean and set up all of our stuff. The second family ended up getting there and set up their stuff directly in front of us because they saw that it is a beautiful view. It was a perfect spot. You know, the wind was blowing and, and you, it blocked some, um, things around you that it was a perfect spot to sit on the beach. And that's why we picked it. And that's why they picked it. And the challenge was they were just walking down the beach and found this beautiful spot and started putting their umbrella and mm. put it right in front of our view. And, they just genuinely didn't know that they were being rude. They they just were so in their little bubble that they didn't even realize that there was someone sitting behind them. And my wife and I are sitting there and my wife was like, let's just move down. And I'm like, that's not the point. And yeah. I actually had to say something to them. And I'm like, excuse me, we were here first and, and you're, I, and so I tried to, at first I wanted to yell at them. And then I, 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 took a second. I took a breath and I actually went up and said, Hey, you're blocking our view. And they said, well, we already put our umbrella and stuff down and they almost like defended. And I said, I'm happy to help you. I'll, I'll dig another hole and I'll, I'll help move nice. stuff if that is helpful to you. But I really would appreciate it. We picked this spot because of the view and, and they were very nice because I wasn't uh, aggressive about it or argumentative, but that was the key example of the, they just genuinely were unaware what their actions were doing were affecting other people because they were oblivious to the other people in their surroundings. Mm, that, that's a great example. And, and you think about all the complexities that came with that interaction that I wish that those listening and, and watching take along with them. The initial desire in your heart is to actually raise your voice and challenge them. Right. That is normal. That is natural. Like as the, the human animal, that is, that's a visceral reaction that you would have. But being able to subdue that initial reaction is what separates us from beasts. Right. <laughs> that's what separates us from some aggressive uh, ape in the wild who would just charge at another uh another animal that's threatening their surroundings. Yeah. And I'll be the first to admit it, it did come out of my mouth. Are you kidding me? Maybe slightly lower in volume than I would have traditionally, but it did come. That was my gut instinct was yeah. to kind of 
yell or, you know, state, are you kidding me? Uh, and so that did come out, but just low enough that they didn't quite hear me. <laughs> That's good. That's good. <laughs> Cause it would have primed the pump for some. <laughs> exactly. But exactly to your point, that was my gut instinct reaction. Yeah. Now there's another component to that, that I, I want to shine a light on. And it's the, the actual taking on the challenge. And what I mean by that is you could have easily just said, you know what, forget it. You know, this is not worth it. And then you proceed to remain on this now second tier, second quality spot, but you're simmering. You're there maybe just toiling about, oh, man, I should have done. I can't believe these people are so rude. Are they oblivious to, to me? That sacrifices your experience. The alternative that you chose, okay, you you were confrontational. It's still a confrontation, but it's a courteous and courageous one. Like that's one. Right. Those are the, the the two words that uh, I try to emphasize in the gentleman's brother the, the gentleman's brotherhood is that courage and courtesy. They they they're not mutually exclusive. You can have both and approach situations of injustice like this one. Granted, a minor injustice in the scheme of of, of, you know, when it comes to uh, injustices, but nonetheless, it's a confrontation that could have gone south really fast, if not dealt with, with that balance of courage and courtesy. Right. But you're exactly right. If I just moved over and held that in, it would have ruined the experience for the rest of the day mm -hmm. at the beach. You're, you're a hundred percent right. And so my three options in that scenario were to just be very passive and move. And that would have ruined my day, but also look, there is a little bit of me and, and probably the whole reason why you're doing this podcast is awareness that, Hey, 99% of the time, maybe it's a confrontation, but maybe once they go, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't even realize I did that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Yeah. And there is the chance of that, that you do that person a service and just making them aware that what they're doing was rude, that they didn't mean. So option one, not do anything. Option three was start <laughs> a confrontation or be find that, that middle route, which I ended up, you know, following that path. That That's, that's a good path. And th there's also one thing that I caution my kids and the people that are near me don't approach it as I'm going to teach these people a lesson. Right. Because it, it seldom works. It, it normally is people perceive any kind of interjection like that as an attack and they, they react accordingly. They defend themselves like you were mentioning. Right. Uh, they put up some sort of explanation or they'll give an excuse or they'll, they'll figure out how to push back against your, um, against your interaction. But what I try to encourage my kids, don't think that you are teaching these people how to be nice, especially if it's grownups. It is, it is difficult for you to have a, a really effective interjection of this, in this, of this type that is going to have a lasting impression on them. Right. So yes, try to make them aware of what happened, but, being cautious as to not say you are rude or, you know, saying something that is, it's an attack. Right. Perhaps positioning, like you said, you know, oh, 
I agree with you. This is a, a lovely spot, but we got here earlier and we really wanted to to you know have a, a clear view for a kid of the of the sunset. Would you mind? I, I would be happy to help you scoot over a little bit. Right. And that tactful approach, I think, was very effective. So I, I commend you on that. Yeah. And if I can build off of what you were saying, one of the things that help me a define this topic, but then also help me find the solution and you know how to communicate this with with my daughter is looking at their acts, the other person's actions, taking all of these other parts of the equation aside and is what they did as a standalone action, right or wrong. So to give you an example, there are some people that are unintentionally rude when they litter and they take their garbage and they just throw it out their window or walking down the street. They may not be realize what they're doing is is wrong or rude, but even their action is still wrong. Mm -hmm. Versus that woman that sat in front of me, me out of the equation, she just walked down the beach, found a perfect spot and sat down. So taking me out of the equation, she didn't do anything wrong. She was just not as aware of her surroundings as she could have been. And so that's one thing that I try when I'm communicating these things with my daughter, even though she's only two and a half, is just kind of communicating that this person didn't do anything wrong. And therefore, that's why I'm not going to approach them confrontationally, mm -hmm. but maybe making them a little bit more aware of their surroundings and trying to figure out a better solution for the both of us is probably the better approach. That's a great point. And, and also, did they do something wrong or they, did they do something wrong to me? Right. Because that that's another dis distinction that I think it's very important for us to observe. Are they doing this to me? Or are, are they doing this in spite of me? Or are they doing it just because? Because the majority of the time, people are acting in a rude way or in an inconsiderate way. But it is for their own gain and not necessarily for your own not for your detriment. Does that right. make sense? Absolutely. So uh, assigning an intention is is very, very dangerous when it comes to your perception, because then you see it as an attack on you, as opposed to this is just an oversight on their part. Exactly. And that, that helps you. Seeing that distinction helps you then in your approach, instead of you coming in as a retaliation or some sort of... Um, defense or counter attack now your approach is more of a oh they didn't notice let me help them exactly let me help them better so so that's that's a very good example i'm glad that you you uh, touched on that now moving on to the the aspect of of communication uh, i want to delve a little deeper when it comes to that there are moments in which people either employ grammatical tools or rhetorical uh, approaches that could be perceived as rude. And I wanted for us to talk a little bit about this, especially since when, when I was doing some research, I came across an individual who went to a forum, a very popular one, and started saying, I notice that I continue to find myself in situations where I'm either offending or I am being perceived as rude when communicating with people. And he really was oblivious as to the root cause for it. 
And in the dialogue, in the back and forth with the other participants, they pinned they pinpointed the fact that he tries to use sarcasm and um, sarcasm, excuse me, sarcasm mainly, but almost as a as in jest, trying to right. be funny in right. And I want us to explore that a little bit because sarcasm can be a very useful uh, rhetorical tool for comedy, perhaps for for having some sort of of, of fun interaction or playful um, dynamic in a conversation. But it really lends itself for misinterpretation. It lends itself for a lot of different problems in conversation. Would you agree? Absolutely. And it sarcasm to the point where someone genuinely can't understand and appreciate whether you're being sarcastic or not, or I'm sure we all have that. I have a uncle. I'm sure he's not going to be listening to this, so I'm allowed <laughs> to uh, call him out, but he is so, so much a jokester to the point that you genuinely can never know when he's being serious or taking, mm. um, you know, or being sarcastic or not. And I know there's, an extreme example of if anyone is a fan of the Big Bang Theory that Sheldon genuinely can't understand sarcasm and they do that as a joke but you know there's certain you know whether it be ADD or you know some other things that genuinely mm -hmm. have a hard time differentiating sarcasm versus not and, and being self-aware and being cognizant of those surroundings that someone may not know you're being sarcastic and, and really take it the wrong way. That's very true. Uh, part of the what I was reading on on that uh, on that dialogue, somebody asked if he had um, if he had taken a test to see if he was in, in the spectrum uh, when it came to autism, Asperger's, and, yep. or, or something like that. Because for people that that have that, it may be more challenging to differentiate between sarcasm or straight straight up uh, rudeness uh so one of the things that i that i wanted to to encourage people is to if you're struggling with some of these kind of confrontations or moments in which you feel like oh you know what they didn't get it and they didn't understand what i tried to say if you find yourself often in that circumstance it may be a good idea for you to try to read individuals better and, and I, the way that I describe it is to get to know your audience. Whenever you do in public speaking, for example, I, I really enjoy the, the art of uh, the art and science of, of public speaking. One of the very first things that you're supposed to do is to figure out who are you talking to, mm -hmm. understanding who your audience is. And in many instances, you don't have a an introduction to what this individual likes, what this individual's preferences are in topic. So you're exploring as you're getting to know the individual. So employing sarcasm may be something that you want to hold off until you've gotten to know the individual better, or at least until you have enough of an indication that they're okay with those kinds of, of comments and jokes, and right. then you can more comfortably proceed. Right. But just taking those, you know, employing them right off the gate can really 
um, affect the communication to the point where you could be creating a negative first impression, right? Uh, which which is a, another topic on on its own. And so, what you can do on both sides of the coin, so to speak, if you are the sarcastic one, making an effort to be either overly silly in your sarcasm that you are clearly telling a joke, whether it be your facial expressions or, you know, your, your tone really trying to sell the sarcasm, so to speak, or secondly, just with a follow-up of blah, 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 nah, just kidding. Or something like that. Just being cognizant and acknowledging that that sarcasm, it doesn't belittle the joke and you're, you're always better off just leaning on that side of caution and then on the receiving side of things, one of the things that I've noticed, and this goes with sarcasm, but really across the board in communication, if you don't acknowledge a uncomfort in a conversation early, however you define that discomfort, then it's going to be so much harder to bring up that later on. You know, yeah. that if you're playing along with the sarcasm, even if you don't get it, then that relationship, especially if it's someone that you're going to have continued conversations with, mm -hmm. it's going to be harder and harder to then bring up your uncomfort because they're going to be like, what do you mean? We've been joking around for months, you know? <laughs> and, and so politely just saying, wait, I'm sorry, are you serious? Or are you just joking? And, and just acknowledging it kind of early, mm -hmm. then you give the other person, oh yeah, yeah, I was just kidding. Or no, I'm serious. Do you want X, Y, and Z? Um, and, and just trying to acknowledge it earlier will help in, in your communication skills in the long run. Do you ever feel like you're surrounded by way too many incomplete goals? Does it seem like there are not enough hours in a day? I know how frustrating it can be to set goals only to look back a few months later and feel as if no progress was made. Just like you, I was surrounded by a sea of incomplete projects and a never-ending to-do list. If this sounds familiar to you, don't worry. We're here to share with you a solution that will help you achieve your existing goals and reach even bolder ones in the future. Hi, my name is Juan Sepulveda from The Gentleman's Brotherhood, and I have partnered with John Moore to bring you a framework that will help you seize the day and take full control of your future. We call it the Space Formula. This step-by-step -step system will help you take control of your future by guiding you through the process of setting goals and consistently achieving them. This formula can be applied to your personal or business life, a formula to leave a lasting legacy. If you're ready to open up space in your life to conquer challenging goals and increase your level of fulfillment, sign up to our program today. To learn more, visit space.thegentsbro.com. Uh, there's another aspect of of that that I've come across very often, and it's the double entendre. Someone who have a has a double meaning to what they're saying, and sometimes it's an off-colored kind of joke or something that may be inappropriate in the presence of you know someone older, or perhaps if it's just if it's the guys and then one of the wives is is nearby, you may want to be cautious. In, in in this kind of communication, right? I actually have a close friend who, in very in many occasions, has embarrassed me because 
he'll say something like that in a double entendre in front of people that I wouldn't do it. So right. it makes it makes me have that. Uh, I don't know if there's a word for it in English, but in Spanish we call it pena ajena, or um, it's someone else's shame. It's like I'm suffering yeah. shame for them. Right. And I know I've mentioned it to him. I said, "Oh my God, I can't believe you said that." Because we're we're very close. So in the middle, I won't embarrass him. Of course, I won't say something at the moment and put him on the spot. But afterwards, I would pull him aside. I'm like, oh my God, are you crazy? Like, why would you say that in front of her? Uh, right. Or in front of your friend's mom or making a joke about the mom. It's like, you right. lost your mind, man. Right. You got to be careful and, with that. And I know we briefly talked about this when you were actually on my podcast, but it, it sounds like a silly thing, but especially being more and more cognizant how much digital communication plays a role in our lives. And, and especially as parents now mm -hmm. that the reading of body language and facial expressions and stuff has changed dramatically because mm -hmm. of digital communication. And, and we, I, I've talked about this quite a lot on my podcast, but there was a comedian that made a joke about it, but it, it really resonated with me that when we were growing up as kids, you would tease someone to their face or, you know, say, ha you're fat or you're ugly. And you would see that facial expression or their body language that yeah. clearly it affected them negatively. Mm -hmm. And you learn from that experience of, Ooh, that didn't feel good. Making someone else not feel good. Maybe I shouldn't do that again. But what happens in modern day, and, and we can talk all about um, social bullying and digital bullying and stuff, but the exact opposite experience happens now mm -hmm. that let's say you're sitting around with your friends and there's a kid in school that no one likes and you say, oh, you should text them and just say, ha you're fat or oh, we got this kid's number. Let's say no one likes you. And then you send that text and now all of your friends are like, I can't believe you did that. That was so funny. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. And it's a positive experience for you. Now all of mm -hmm. you and your friends are laughing and it sounds like a little thing, but you're now losing that experience of seeing what that is doing to the person on the, on the receiving side and yeah. being cognizant of that sounds like, Oh yeah, but you still know you're being rude. Our kids may not, they, they may not realize that these are, our kids may go, Oh, they know we were just kidding. And it was like, yeah, but do they? And mm -hmm. Even if they do know you're kidding, did it still feel good? Maybe, exactly. maybe not. And unfortunately, we don't know that information because we don't have that facial expression or body language information to rely on. So it's something that we have to be overly cognizant about with our digital communication. True. And I think that such a big part of being a gentleman has to do with empathy. It has Absolutely. to do with being able to put yourself in the shoes of someone else, to be able to understand what they may be going through, what they may be feeling. I think that unlocks a lot of positive behaviors from, from a man. Absolutely. It, you know, as a gentleman, I, I, I truly believe that my boys should try to be as strong as they could be when they grow up physically, emotionally, spiritually. This is not exclusive to boys. I'm sure that you feel the same way about your girl. You want 100%. her to be strong physically, mentally, and emotionally. 
And all of these desires are not so that they can dominate someone else or hurt them, overpower them. This is so that they can stand on their own two feet and be exemplary. Right. And I think a big part of uh, of instilling empathy in, in, in children is pointing out the differences in, in, in the power dynamics. I could hurt you, but I don't. Right. They, they see how muscular I am. Maybe I'm over, <laughs> maybe, I'm, maybe I'm over. <laughs> I was going to say, it looks like you've been hitting the gym quite a bit on this quarantine, but <laughs> they know how swole I am. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that now I, at any moment of anger, now I could use this power dynamic to suppress them or to, to hurt them. They need to be informed of that. Okay. There's a, there's a difference here. You are bigger than him. You right. need to be cautious of, of how you, how you grapple with him, or mm -hmm. you need to be, you know, what you just said over there, it, it was not nice. It might've been right, but it wasn't nice. Right. And, and, and being able to accentuate that so that they can see um, how, how they're behaving. I recently read this gentleman was talking about how he helps his, um, his children apologize. And, and I loved how he, how he described it. He said, I don't force my children to apologize. I don't tell them, no, you have to go over there now and say you're sorry, because that's the right thing to do. He instead has a different approach where he starts asking questions of the children so that they come to the conclusion on their own. Right. And among those questions, they say, okay, when you said, are you, you're slower than a turtle. How do you think he interpreted that? And they, they may answer you very genuinely and tell you, well, that, that they're being slow. Yeah, but how do you think they felt whenever you said that? Maybe they felt a little uncomfortable because of this. Now, do you think that helps your relationship or do you think it hurts the relationship? And you continue down that road asking questions that are going to help them come to the conclusion, what I did was wrong how I made that individual feel was not good, I can do better. And then you can say, wouldn't you think it'd be nice if you go over there and say that you're sorry? Once you've asked enough questions to really uncover that, yes, they finally understood, yeah, that was not right. Right. I love that approach because it, it it's not you forcing the child to actually perform a very complex emotional maneuver right here you're helping them navigate their own path to having that empathy right and communicating you know we we talked about if the problem is being unaware of your surroundings then the simple solution is communicating and and adding that awareness and mm -hmm. i'll give you another very quick example that i was at the zoo with my daughter and and my wife and there was a petting zoo area and at the end of the petting zoo obviously there was an area to wash your hands because you get all the slime and the food and, and stuff so i'm there washing my hands 
and I'm drying them. I'm, I'm done. I'm almost about to leave and I'm just doing a last rinse. And another mother and daughter come up and the, and the mother goes, all right, wash your hands. And then she's on her cell phone, you know, texting or whatever while the daughter washes her hands. And so she takes her hands and puts them over mine. It was just like a communal <laughs> thing. And all of her goat spit and food and stuff goes right on my hands that I was about to be rinsing and going. Now, look, again, going back to that, did that kid do anything wrong? No, they were just washing their hands. It was a communal sink. Mm -hmm. Not that big of a deal. I did have a problem with the mother not being cognizant of her surroundings and just being on her phone and not, you know, kind of taking ownership of the kids actions. Mm -hmm. But I actually used that example as a teaching lesson for my daughter. And I pulled that over and I said, did you notice anything a little weird over there? And she was like, no, what? And I said, did you see that little girl that as I was, you know, washing my hands, she just kind of jumped in front of me. And she was like, yeah. And I I said, what do you think about that? And, you know, and, and we just had a conversation exactly what you were saying and just making her more aware of that scenario in that the the bottom line and the the element that I wanted her to get out of it was that girl didn't do anything wrong. There, there's nothing to be mad about her. And I obviously didn't mention the mother. She wouldn't get that. But yeah. being cognizant of like, hey, if that's you, being cognizant of the other people that make sure that they're done and, and they're leaving or if they're in the process of washing their hands or if they were there first, maybe it's their turn. And and when they're done, then it's your turn. And and mm-hmm. we, we teach taking turns or sharing beyond just toys it's life Mm -hmm. it's if you're waiting in line and there's someone in front of you that's taking turns and it's their turn they were there first and and so we we try to even though she's again only two and a half that that whole concept of sharing and taking turns and hey that's not yours give it back Mm -hmm. Uh, being cognizant of those surroundings is very important because more often than not you've raised kids how many times do kids walk up to a toy that's on the floor and the kid, your kid walks up and kid B turns his head for a second. And then your daughter takes the toy. And maybe it's an older kid that then that parent goes, Oh no, it's okay. He was done with it. And I go, no, that's, that's not the point. Thank you. I appreciate it. But honey, give that back. Or just, you know, can you go up and say, are you done with this or whatever? I want to use that mm-hmm. scenario as a teaching lesson for my daughter. So even that other parent, that's really nice of like, oh no, it's okay. He's older. Or, you know, Jimmy, don't worry, let her play with it for a while. I, I know why that other parent is doing it. And I'm very appreciative of that, but I actually like saying, no, your kid was playing with it. My daughter is going to give it back. Then if he wants to give it to her and say, no, I'm done, you can play with it. That's his decision. Um, yeah. But it, it is not your place to just go up and take it. Um, and so I love those little yeah. learning lessons and teaching lessons that that we can instill. It does just make them more aware of their surroundings, which is the whole point. Yeah. And they, they have a sense for justice. Kids. Right at a very early age, they understand what is just and what isn't. And they're able to, on their own accord, be more charitable or be more uh, giving when when they see an injustice happening. But there are some injustices that are very subtle that you may just completely miss and, and not understand. So having that awareness is not just an awareness to what you're experiencing, but what other people around you are and if you can help them notice them e- even better. Exactly. Now, I, one thing that I, I see a lot, and I, I try to 
of course, my friends who are raising children who perhaps uh, ask me for advice, and and I know I have a bad habit of of giving advice when not solicited, <laughs> but I, I hate seeing people struggle through things or or do things that are that are going to have a, a more negative consequence later on. But is that fact of of trying to teach only in the moment of a negative confrontation? Um, I try to, it, well, it's a very effective method for you to have a positive reinforcement whenever you see a behavior that you want to encourage uh, emulation of, right. then you praise the children. And this is not limited to children. We're talking about some, they're grown, grown people that you can say, hey, you know what? And as simple as this, hey, you know what? It was real nice when you did that. Done. Right. People get it. People understand oh, you know what? They like it when I do that, or they appreciated that I did this. And that goes a long way as opposed to the confrontation opportunity where you say, hey, you know what? Don't do that. That That's an attack of, you know, that, that's an attack on you. You are doing something wrong. And for most people, the reaction is going to be a protective defensive one. So that defense extends to the realization that they're doing a mistake here. No, no, no. You are offended as opposed to I offended you. Right. One of the other solutions that I try to work on to your point is redefining. There is a fine balance between ultimatums and decision-making. And I try to change you know, there's a lot of studies and research that goes into giving your kids ultimatums is bad, but I look at it like allowing my daughter to make decisions and, and understanding that there are consequences. So a little thing, for example, if, if I'm trying to put her to bed and it's time to put on her PJs and she's watching, you know, a movie, sometimes she'll like, no, I just want to watch the movie and, and she'll get upset. And so your, your instinct is give an ultimatum of put your PJs on or I'm turning off this movie. Mm -hmm. But if you switch it and just say, honey, I'm going to give you an option or or a choice. We're going to put your PJs on and we can keep the movie on for a little bit while we're watching it. Or then we just got to go into your room and then we'll put your PJs on in there. But then we have to turn off the movie right now. Uh, Or you don't have to put your PJs on this second, but then we do have to turn off the movie. Mm -hmm. What, you know, what scenario are you more comfortable with or whatever? And, and giving them the options. And sometimes they do test you and say, no, I'm not putting my PJs on. It was like, okay. And I, then I re-acknowledge and say, okay, so you've made the decision that you don't want to put the PJs on, which you do now know means we have to turn the, the, the TV off, you know? And, and uh, so using these teaching lessons as just providing your son or daughter the opportunity to make decisions on their own and then just understanding that there are consequences to their decisions as opposed to framing it like an ultimatum if that mm. makes sense no that's very good uh because that's a there's a distinction between a uh authoritarian you know authoritarian interaction in a an authorated authoritative my Spanish got in my way there for right. a second. <laughs> Authoritative. <laughs> Get away. <laughs> yeah, so there's a distinction between the two. One of one of them is you commanding something, and that right. that yields very little results. And you right. may have an instant result, 
but it's coupled with resentment and it's coupled with uh, long-term disobedience. Or you can have the uh, authoritative, did I say that right? Yep. Approach in which you are the authority, you are the leader in the family. So you are leading them to the right decision. And that can be kind. It can be coupled with the courtesy that we alluded to earlier uh, today. Uh, that distinction, I, I became very aware of it in a book. Uh, I can't remember the author, but it's called uh, Raising Kids That Thrive. Hmm. So it's it's based on science. They they share very specific scientific um, or psychological experiments that they've done in, where they put children in, in different scenarios and then they they see how they react to the different methods of, of, of discipline. And it was a very enlightening uh, book. I'll share with that, that with you later and see if I can find the link and, and put it in the, in the comment section. Uh, but, but the, the point is that all these interactions are teachable moments for children, for adults, the approach, of course, has to be different because you don't, you don't want to talk to the, <laughs> to the adults, like if they're children, and, right. and the, you know, open a different kind of worms there. Hmm. But there's so many opportunities, especially if you're close to individuals and you're embarrassed by their behavior, or if you find that their behavior is tarnishing relationships or obstructing opportunities, it is okay for you to discreetly approach them later on and say, I don't know if you noticed or not, but whenever you said this, I think they took it in this way. I don't know if you meant mm -hmm. it like that, but this is what it looked like. And right. that's a very fruitful way for you to help people raise their awareness as to how they're coming across, how they're impacting other people around them. Right. So don't shy away from these, from these opportunities, uh, but, but be very careful with your timing. Uh, right. Never in front of other people. Uh, I don't think that that doesn't work because you embarrass an individual, they're going to be resistant to any kind of instruction or aid that you want to give them. So discretion here, I think it's the discretion is the word, right? Take them, take them aside. He's like, I don't know if you noticed that, but when you mentioned this, I think they took it like that, right? That may give them an opportunity where they were unintentionally rude. Now they have in their hands the option of mending that situation, perhaps approaching the individual, apologizing or clarifying. And this can, you know, save a lot of trouble in the long run. Right. You also mentioned earlier that I want to circle back on because it, it fits so perfectly with what you were saying. Also, overemphasizing your intent can sometimes save you from those uncomfortable scenarios. And I'll, I'll give you another example. I had a coworker one of my best friends, and I don't want to say we we differed politically because we didn't. We we were on the same page, but I think she was a little bit more extreme with, um, I don't know the right terms for it, but cultural, you know, sensitivity or this cancel culture environment that we're in. I, I uh, and I'll give you the example. I she was like a, a very strong feminist and, you know, and, and advocate of, you know, women's rights and stuff, which I am a hundred percent supportive of. And so I asked her one day 
because I always want to improve myself. And I, I was on the train one day and it was full and I offered my seat up to a older than me, but not old woman. And she was a, a female and the gentleman in me just wanted to offer up my seat. And I did. And she said, no, thank you. And, and I sat there and I went, did I offend her? You know, what was, I didn't intend to by any means, but did she take that of, what are you calling me older? What are you calling me? You know? And I was like, no, it's just trying to be a gentleman. And, and so I actually asked her and I said, Hey, I, I know that you're really into, you know, feminism and, and, and women's rights and stuff like that. As a man, like if you were on the train now as a younger, she was younger than me. So as a younger, you know, like millennial, if I was to offer my seat, would you be offended? And she said, well, I guess it depends upon your intent. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, as a gentleman, what are you implying that you have stronger leg muscles and you can stand better than I can or longer than I can. And as a woman, I, I must be a fragile little woman and I have to sit because you can't. And again, she was, she wasn't argumentative or whatever, but just, you know, kind of making me aware of that scenario. And I mm -hmm. said, honestly, this is exactly why I'm having this conversation. Absolutely not. That is not my intention. To be honest, I don't even know why I do it. There's no, I'm, better or stronger than you. It's just, it's kind of how I was raised that a gentleman offers a seat to a woman or a child or, or, or whatever. And, but now I'm a little bit more cognizant of maybe being overemphasis or maybe being more nonchalant of like, Oh ma'am, you want to sit here and not doing it in a, Oh, little lady, you know, do you want to sit or like, just kind of like a throwaway. Hey, do you want to sit? You know? Yeah. And if they go, Oh no, thanks. It's like, okay, great. So it's almost like, it doesn't matter. It's not your gender or whatever. It's just me. Maybe I just want to stand up and stretch my legs. And if you want my seat, you're more than welcome to. And so being overly cognizant of your intent of why you're doing it. And maybe in today's society, we have to be overly cognizant of being very proactive in our intent that my intent, my intent is just to be nice and that's it. I, I'm not making any judgments or assumptions or stereotypes about you as a person just offering up my seat. And so it, it is tough sometimes that yeah. sometimes we as gentlemen in this gentleman's brotherhood, mm -hmm. sometimes our positive intentions may be taken the wrong way. And that's something that we have to be aware of and cognizant of as well. What 100%, but here, here's, here's, this is a dilemma that a lot of people are encountering. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to establish the Gentleman's Brotherhood because there's so many questions, especially in today's society. And it is important for us to have those discussions. Right. One thing that I have noticed, and of course I, I'll make the caveat that this is anecdotal. This is my uh, first person uh, investigations, not scientific, not scientific method, but it is still a minority of people that get offended if you offer them your seat. Uh, I've asked, agreed. In, yeah, I've asked in a in a in social media uh, for females' opinion about this very question. Do you see it as a misogynistic or or, or chauvinist uh, yep. move, or do you see it as a courteous right advance? The great majority of the of the ladies that responded, they welcomed it. Great. 
the great majority of them, there were two dissenting voices. And those two were, one was a man and actually both of them were men. That's interesting. Yes, both of them were men. And one of them was very aggressive in his point of view of social justice. So right. he was someone who would hit you over the head with all the injustices and, you know, a shame, you know, make, you know, make you uh, very aware of all these other things. But the females were answering, saying, don't answer for me. I see it as this. So, and, and I had a conversation with, with a lady one time where she was uh, offended about the fact that I had the gentleman's brotherhood. She felt that that was on its own right. offensive. But I, I think we live in a complex world and we have no less men today than we had 50 years ago. But we seem to have less of a dialogue when it comes to what it really means to be a man today. So we're going to discuss this topic in, in, in length later on because I, it's one that comes, that comes up a lot. This and opening doors and yep. uh, saying ladies first or something like that. Right. Some of this comes with some cultural and social baggage. Some of this is um, something that's just tradition and there may be no necessary, no necessary reason to perpetuate it. But I think it's definitely a conversation that we that we should have. But but when you the, the other thing I wanted to say about the intent, just like in the court of law, in real life scenarios, deciphering intent or proving intent is incredibly difficult. Right. It's virtually impossible. Right. And just imagine if now you have a a, a preamble to every courteous uh gesture just in the case that you are uh, offering it to someone who could be offended, I think that may not be the best approach because now you are putting, it's like putting a disclaimer before right. doing anything good, just because there may be that one or two people that may not like it. Right. So, uh, I think if you genuinely wanted to offer your seat, I think you still do so. Don't make Agreed. a big deal out of it. Agreed. <laughs> uh, but I don't think that, you know, having some sort of uh, clarifying preamble to Agreed. to it, it could be good. But I love, I mean, there's there's many scenarios. We could continue this conversation for, for longer, but I want to be respectful of your time. I do appreciate the value that you've brought to the Gentleman's Brotherhood in, in this conversation. There's a lot to... To digest here that we can put to practice in our daily lives. Uh, I know you to be a gentleman and I, I'm the better for knowing you. And I, I thank you for, for being here in the show with us today. I appreciate that brother. And, and same here. I look forward to this podcast uh, whenever it comes out. And uh, I, I think the most important thing, which is why you're doing this whole podcast is just self-reflection on all of these things that hopefully someone takes away. To be honest, I'll, I'll give you one last little snippet. When I was doing a little bit of research for this episode, one of the things that I am so guilty of is being bad at responding to friends, texts, and emails. Because what happens a lot is someone will text me while I'm at work and I'm busy at work and I go, oh, I'll respond to them later. And then I forget. And one of my very close friends 
said these exact words, Brian's phone is where texts go to die because they just go <laughs> and they disappear. And I often took that kind of as a joke and stuff. But then when I was doing the research on this topic, that was a strong bullet of, do mm. you do this? And this is a great example of being unintentionally rude. You are not intentionally, yeah. I am not intentionally ignoring my friends, mm. but now it, it opened up a whole new perspective reading this article. And the only reason why I bring that up is this is what this podcast is all about. In my opinion is self-awareness and, and yeah. I, I earned it even talking about this topic and doing the research. And so hopefully everyone that listens is constantly just reevaluating themselves and, and just being a little bit more cognizant in these topics. So please keep doing what you're doing. I love this podcast and it was such an honor to be here. Uh, thank you for having me. Oh, thank you so very much. And, you know, in, in, before we go, uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because I, I've also suffer from some of that, uh, uh, crypto <laughs> message uh, <laughs> where it, and it's the same scenario. I cannot respond to that right now. So I'll, I'll do it later. Right. But one thing I've, uh, I've been doing a lot better lately with, with this and when it comes to text messages and emails and why, you know, people describe it as ghosting. You send me a message and you could see that I read it or that, right. I, that I saw it because it has a little check mark. Right. But I'm not ignoring you. It's not, it's not something against you. It's like, this is not the right time. And, you know, especially like for us, we have the children. There's a lot of things that happen in our families that we don't want to use them as an excuse, but I received the message. And then later on, what happened? Oh, the kid came in with the the grades and he's questioning like how come his grades are looking like that and now we went down this rabbit hole trying to figure something out and now the person on the opposite end looking at my little check mark thinks i'm being rude you know right. i have a life that you can't see right. right uh but many times it's procrastination or it's avoiding a confrontation or avoiding a commitment uh and the best remedy, the best quick uh, tidbit that I can offer you is something that I learned from David Allen, who is the author of Getting Things Done. He says, if it takes two minutes or less, just do it. Is it does it require me to look at my calendar and just say, this is the perfect date? Does right. that take two minutes or less? Most of the time, it does. Yeah. Just get it off of your plate. Just Agreed. Yeah. Thursday it is and right you know send send over a message so that, that's helped me a lot not perfect I'm not I'm not in the gentleman's brotherhood because I'm perfect right. I'm here <laughs> along the journey with you <laughs> exactly but that is great advice I'm gonna start uh, trying to do it excellent so to all the listeners and the people watching thank you so very much for being a part of the gentleman's brotherhood uh, I if you want to see more from Brian I encourage you to visit. Uh, him on the various social media uh, platforms, especially if you're on TikTok, you have to go to bearded underscore Brian with an I, uh, bearded Brian, very funny content. I really like it a lot. You know this, I've told you before on Instagram, also the same handle at uh, bearded Brian and check out his podcast, The Dynasty of Dad. Uh, a dynasty of dads you can find that wherever you you get your podcasts so 
again, thank you so much, Brian. I love this. My pleasure. And I encourage all of you to go to thegentlemansbrotherhood.com. We have now a, a varied selection of t-shirts, hats. We have art. And something that just came out that I encourage you to check out, we have our very own official lapel pin. And it's exclusive only to our supporters on Patreon. So if you want to learn more about it, go to thegentsbro.com and be one of our supporters. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Juan Sepulveda. So thank you so much for being a part of the Gentleman's Brotherhood. And until next time, I wish you courage and courtesy. Take care. Before you switch to the next podcast, let me ask you a question. Did you find this episode enjoyable? Did you find any part of it edifying or informative? If so, please consider supporting our show by choosing one of these options. Mainly by sharing it with other men through social media, by leaving a brief rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app, or simply by making a purchase in our store at thegentlemansbrotherhood.com. Regardless of the way in which you choose to support the show, Thank you. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>